episode of the Eagles Water Cooler. We're here tonight with Mike and Matt, and we are going to be reviewing the Eagles' 27-17 loss to the Washington football team. Huh. We'll, we'll break it all down tonight uh, on this podcast, and on Thursday, hopefully, uh, get together again to preview the Eagles' upcoming game this Sunday. I believe that's the 20th. Uh, against the Los Angeles Rams, which will be in Philadelphia, obviously, without fans. But, um, Matt, I'm going to start with you. When that game ended on Sunday, what was the feeling that you had in, in one word? Uh, I, I have to go with the hyphenated word, gut punch. I'm not sure if that's one word. Uh, but a lot of hype coming into the season. I knew that we had our work cut out for us, but we've traditionally beat up on the Redskins for the past few years. And to start out so hot and end in a fizzle was uh, a gut punch, Chris. I'll send it over to Mike. Yeah, I like that, Matt. I was going to say deflated. I was definitely, I think I wasn't alone in this, definitely feeling myself before the start of that game, walking around. You know, like everybody better watch out afterwards. Wasn't feeling so hot about it. So deflated, deflated's the word for me. Yeah, disappointed is, is the first one that comes. But off of yours, Mike, I think humbled, not just for us as fans, but for, for the Eagles themselves. I think it was one of those games. Uh, and, and they definitely were brought down to earth by – pretty much showing up for one half, uh, as was admitted by Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson after the game. But our agenda here tonight uh, on the Eagles Water Cooler podcast is not to uh, get into extremes. Uh, this is only game one. Uh, certainly there were some really upsetting, some con concerning things looking down the stretch here, but it is only game one. And we're going to try to highlight some things that we found to be positives and then explore some things that we think were negatives uh, out of this game and probably delve in a little bit deeper with some specific plays or statistics to back things up. But let's try uh, if we can to start with the positives. Um, I think the first one that I'll touch on, not a player, but more the Eagles fast start. Uh, they get out uh, early and are able to uh, convert a touchdown <clears throat> to Zach Ertz, followed by a field goal, um, and then followed by another touchdown. So what was it like for uh, you two? Uh, you know, Matt and Mike were uh, all together watching the game, socially distant on uh, Sunday, and we were all extremely excited for that start, I, I could kind of tell. But put it in your own words, Mike, how were you feeling as you see the Eagles come out really hot? Well, it – it's always great to see the Eagles come out firing, something that we don't always get with the Birds, especially the past uh, couple of years. We've had to slowly get our offense jump-started as the game goes on. So it was extremely exciting. Um, seemed, you know, at that point, there's a lot of adrenaline. There's a lot of excitement. It's the first series of the year. 
And it seemed like, you know, it was almost destiny that we, we go down there and score that touchdown to Ertz. So I was, I, I, I came out of that series having just extremely high hopes thinking this game, this game's it. Uh, we, we got this one in the bag. What'd you think, Matt? Yeah, we had a huge play by Brandon Graham in the backfield. I believe it was on third down uh, to turn the ball over uh, or to have the Washington football team punts. Uh, and then the offense took that momentum and just marched down the field. And uh, it, it, it was it was great. We were all up. We were high-fiving, uh, air high-fiving, I should say. But the, the momentum right off the bat was in the Eagles' favor. And I thought that that would carry out throughout the game. But it didn't. I think the Redskins changed their game plan. I think we didn't. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But uh, it, it was electrifying right off the bat there, especially just having football back in the current environment. Uh, it was amazing. Uh, Chris, how, how did you feel? Yeah, I'm right there with you, Matt. It was it was kind of football's back, and, and our team is doing it right now. They looked really smooth. Carson looked confident. The offense was moving. Uh, the defense had come out, and like you said, BG put up that big stop uh, to force Washington to punt. Offense just seemed to crisply move down the field, seemed to kind of have their way with this defense that was supposed to be um, so heralded and, and have so many number one uh, picks on the line and all that kind of stuff. And I found myself thinking, wow, all the hype about the offensive line and on, you know, in no time at all, the Eagles are up um, by a pretty good margin uh, with two guys who are one who's a rookie in Jack Driscoll at right tackle uh, and one at right guard, Nate Herbig, who had never had any uh, professional starting experience. So that was really my first takeaway is like, wow, they're pulling this off. Uh, but also I think what Matt mentioned in the macro sense that football's back and we're kind of riding high. We were feeling ourselves at that point, far from humbled. Um, but let's dig into some actual play. And one thing that stuck out early to me uh, is the presence of Dallas Goddard in this game. So, Matt, do you have his stat line in front of you? I do, Chris. We have eight receptions, 101 yards, 12.6 average uh, per catch, and one touchdown. I mean, from a tight end, those are wide receiver numbers. Mind you, this guy's got a block also. Uh, you can't ask more from the guy. Yeah, he's a, he really had a, a phenomenal game. Uh, he stood out from the very beginning. There was a first down that he uh, converted on, and he just seemed to be all over the field. Carson seemed to be almost looking for him um, from a fan's point of view. But that touchdown was exceptional on a couple levels. The first that he had to adjust the ball, he kind of turned over the wrong shoulder and then turned over the opposite shoulder, was able to bring the ball in that Carson had just floated up there. Um, and by and large, Goddard was a positive out of this game, which we'll talk about the negatives for sure. But he was the big highlight. He was the offensive standout player. Uh, Mike, what are your thoughts on Goddard? It is just one game, but we have a decent sample size on this player. What are your thoughts on Goddard? Yeah, I thought he had a terrific game. Um... Like Matt said, he really came down with uh, top wide receiver numbers, um, eight receptions, 101 yards, and a touchdown. That, that, that was the best for the Eagles in terms of receiving. Next closest was, um, well, it's between Greg Ward with five receptions or Jalen Riker with one for a long 55-yarder. But really great to see him able to work it into the – 
into the offense in many elements, one to be able to score, the other to be involved in shorter uh, reception type plays. And, you know, having the dynamic of him on the field when teams already have to consider Zach Ertz, this, you know, this performance is going to have people now being like, oh, shoot, we got we to gotta scheme for both these guys because they can both burn us. Yes, and that is a topic we'll we'll talk about further later. And and it's good to get everybody's perspective. And I know on this podcast, the last time we recorded, Andrew made a point to say when he was with us that he he wasn't as big on Goddard as as a lot of the hype was uh, around that player. Uh, and texting with him a little bit tonight, he's on vacation. He said that he feels Goddard's stock is is up, uh, but that after one game, it's hard to to make any real determinations, which I can agree with. Uh, but definitely a standout in this game. I think I'll go back to what I said before. In my eyes, Carson was looking for Dallas Goddard, and that means a lot. And if I can see that, I think there's something for the team. Maybe that's just my perspective, but that is something that I kind of observed uh, through that game. Mike, do you have something on that? Yeah, you know, maybe this is too much of a hot take or um, reading between the lines, but I can't help but think back to – it might have been last year – First play, it was either the first or second series of the game. Carson over the middle to Goddard. Goddard fumbles the ball to Dallas. Dallas recovers, scores a couple quick touchdowns on us. This game, Goddard is Mr. Reliable. Game on the line goes right through Zach Ertz's hands. Could this be some kind of passing of the torch, or is it too early to call that? Matt? You got to give it the season, Mike. I, but I, I'm not counting you out, man. I, I, I would usually go uh, hard the other way, but uh, I'm not counting you out, especially with what's going on with contract negotiations. Uh, they're basically the same size, both uh, 6'5". Goddard's a little heavier, but can run the um, – and I, I guess Ertz is a little faster. But uh, Goddard's younger at the end of the day. Um, you know, you, you can't – count out Ertz's numbers, but I, I see what you're saying. I just think we need the season to play out before I can, uh, I can make a clear uh, indication on that. But I'm not counting you out, Mike. I think it's fair. I, I think Mike brings up a really interesting point, though, and, and we will talk about Ertz a little bit later, but we're really focused on Goddard. I think Goddard really showed something in this game, and in a lot of ways, Zach Ertz did not. Uh, mostly around one play, he did have one touchdown, but it seemed like Goddard was that presence and was that guy or, um, Carson Wentz was looking for. Another great offensive performance, and something that we as Eagles fans have been desperately wanting to see is a first-round wide receiver uh, taken in the draft that immediately comes in and makes an impact. And we saw it. Uh, Jalen Rager had a spectacular 55 yard reception from um, Carson Wentz looked like they were exactly on the same page. Uh, one of the types of plays that he was um, drafted to make with the Eagles, he absolutely could have made another play if he and Wentz had connected a little bit later in the game. Uh, by and large, I saw great things out of Rager. Uh, other than, you know, he did have the um, interception that was intended for him, which apparently in the uh, media he had said he should have come back to that ball. Um, and as he's a rookie, him and Wentz are still developing that rapport. But 
focusing on him as a rookie, making a highlight reel type play like that. Uh, Mike, what, what's your feeling on Rager? I know it's only one game. We'll all take that into account. But how did you feel he performed? You know, I thought he would get involved just because he was our top, top pick from the draft. And there's been a lot of good talk coming out of camp about his performance, but, you know, as that play developed and you see it's, it's Rager um, that Carson is targeting, you see that ball just floating up there and then see the connection happen. Nothing's more exciting in football than bombs like that. And, you know, we've been accustomed to that being a Deshaun Jackson type deal, or for a little while we had Corey, um, I'm sorry, um, Torrey Smith, uh, who had that capability, but, you know, outside Deshaun last year, it was nobody. So the fact that Rager can come in on the first game and establish that deep threat with Carson um, is extremely good to see. I guess, let me stop it there and, and throw it to Matt, see what you thought. Real quick, Matty, right before you say something, they call that apparently a Rager bomb. Ooh, I like it. <laughs> I like it, Chris. Uh, yeah, phenomenal catch. And I think all of us were expecting Deshaun to be there to make that catch. It's great to see some young blood get in there and have the long bomb. Especially, it's it's a great pass. We we can't uh, uh, we can't forget Wentz on that pass, uh, right over his shoulder, just a basket catch, right in his hands. Um, I don't think he needed to adjust, uh, and and it was great, phenomenal catch. We want to see that all season long, but. That was his only catch, guys. And I think if we had another one of those, the game would have been different. Uh, and we, we got to keep that in consideration. Is this guy only going to be a long ball guy? Can he go across the middle? Uh, what can he do, Mike? I totally agree, agree with you there, Matt. The only thing I'll say in addition is that you saw Carson target um, Jalen Rager several more times throughout the game and even on I'm thinking of one in particular and I'm just kind of like faintly remembering this from the broadcast um, Rager was he had space he had space between you know himself and the sideline and, and his uh, defenseman was behind him Carson just missed through the ball and so in terms of route running that looked good and, and the fact that Carson kept going back to him um, that's just a good sign that there is a connection there. It just needs to be massaged and developed a little bit more. Maddie? Yeah, I agree, Mike. Uh, he had four t targets, one catch, 55 yards. Uh, so maybe it's just developing the chemistry, but you cannot deny the fact that that catch was electrifying. Chris? Yeah, good points all. And I, I think if they do hit on that other play, not the interception play, but uh, there was another sort of deep crosser, I think it was, where he was coming across and Carson missed him. I think that's a touchdown. I really do. And I, I think that is the difference in the game uh, because I think at that point in the game, that's just kind of a dagger that Washington may not have been able to come back from. Um, it is good to see the rapport that both Matt and Mike mentioned developing between um, – Wentz and Rager it does seem like he's another player that Wentz is looking for um, I'll say that I watched TCU a little bit last year I saw a game very early in the year where Jalen Rager took a slant to the house um, and that that was more of his signature play now we've seen Deshaun do that in a way um, in years past obviously now he's more known for just running the deep route uh, but you know 
I think Rager has that potential. This is not a negative, but more a, a highlight that there's a lot more to his game than just sending him on a deep route. And I think as a step back moment here in the pod, that's something that the Eagles could have benefited from is looking at what else their players can do because they really leaned on those big plays and, and trying to reach for those. Let's move on to another positive on the other side of the ball. Um, and that is that the Eagles secondary was able to really hold in this game. Um, in particular, this was the first experience we had as fans of getting to watch a, an elite level defensive back shadow or travel with um, the other, the opposing team's top wide receiver, uh, that receiver being Terry McLaurin uh, and that DB being Darius Slay. So he was able to, to hold McLaurin to 20 some odd yards. Matt, if you want to look it up, feel free. Um, but it was really nice to see uh, as a fan just to have a sense of calm that when those balls were thrown, there was a good chance it was going to get broken up or be overthrown or at least have decent coverage. Um, there were moments where I thought they could have done more, particularly Avante Maddox getting kind of hit in the chest with a potential interception and not coming away with it. Um, but I thought Ruby Coleman played well. I thought uh, Jalen Mills held up particularly well at safety, could have made some better tackles here and there. But uh, for the most part, I was pretty impressed with the secondary after what felt like years of that being our main takeaway after a bad game and particularly a bad loss is just the, the secondary being eaten alive. So Mike, tell me what you saw from the secondary. Well, yeah, let me follow up on what it was like watching Darius Slay play for a while. Um, you know, Matt, I'm, I'm sorry. Let me jump in and, and steal a stat real quick. Um, McLaurin had five receptions for 61 yards, seven targets. Um, I, you know, I'll take that. I'll take that from Darius Slay. Like, that's a, that's a really good job. There were more plays than not watching the game where you were like, yeah, they didn't either go to him or um, there was some kind of breakup or something. Only, only like once or twice did I think he get his uh, number burned by McLaurin. So, you know, that was really great. I think so far McLeod and um, – Jalen Mills. Jalen Mills. Yep, thanks, Chris. Um, they held down pretty well. And Avante, you know, I, I thought Avante did a pretty solid job. So, overall – and I'll, I'll say this still, it's too early to call it, just like it's too early to probably write off the Eagles season after, you know, a bad start. Uh, but, you know, let's get some work and see how these guys continue. Matty? Yeah, I couldn't agree more, uh, Mike. Uh, great points all around. Um, I, I thought they played well. Now, props to Avante Maddox. Uh, he was cut brought back, played the game, played it hard. Um, so I think you're thinking of Cravon. Sorry, Matt. I think you're thinking of Cravon. Uh, LeBron. LeBron. Um, yeah. He also made some big plays, though. Cravon stepped up and made some good tackles, uh, had a pass breakup, if I'm not mistaken. But, uh, no, Avante is the, the draftee out of pit. Correct. Thanks, Chris. Oh, ago, yeah. Uh, yeah, but I, I thought they played well. You didn't hear Darius Slay's name a lot. And if you don't hear their name by the commentators, that means they're doing a good job. So I, I think the secondary did a good job. I think they, um, you know, did better than in the past. But once again, uh, Redskins don't have a lot of weapons. Uh, they shut down Terry McLaurin, which is great. But outside of that, uh, they're not working with much. So it, it should be interesting to see when we get uh, to a team with some talent. But 
for this game, I thought they did a great job. Chris? Funny that you mentioned a team with talent like the L.A. Rams who are going to be coming in with some <laughs> weapons uh, this weekend. Correct. We'll, Correct. we'll really see a test. Um, and, and my hope is, you know, a little, a little uh, insider information from Nikel Roby Coleman, who formerly was with the Rams, and hopefully we'll have a little insight um, for his fellow DBs about how the players run routes. Um, having watched some of the Hard Knocks series on HBO, I know Van Jefferson – uh, who was a player out of Florida, I thought the Eagles might take in, in this year's draft has really been making an impact for them. Obviously, Cooper Cup in the slot has kind of been a, a go-to for, for Jared Goff. But we'll talk about that all on Thursday. Let's get to some negatives um, from this game. And I think there is a little bit of um, sort of catastrophized thinking going on in, in Philadelphia, uh, some hyperbole, some alarmist uh, sort of attitudes going on. And, and we really want to just focus on what were the negatives from this game that really contributed to the loss, because at the end of the day, uh, that's what really is what matters. And that's the main takeaway is that they did not come away with the win uh, in game one. The O-line, uh, right before the game as part of the uh, releases of inactive players, we found out that Lane Johnson would not be playing at right tackle. And the Eagles put Jack Driscoll, uh, who I believe is a fourth round pick, out of Auburn um, in, uh, excuse me, to face off against this vaunted Washington defensive line at right tackle and at right guard, uh, Nate Herbig, who has been with the Eagles now for a couple of years at a Stanford and undrafted free agent, uh, stepped in at right guard for his first uh, professional start. I believe it was his first uh, professional experience at all. And um, while they held up well as the Eagles momentum held up well, as we touched on earlier, uh, when they were driving and, and able to put up those Ertz and Goddard touchdown as well as uh, a Jake Elliott field goal. Um, Jack Driscoll wound up getting hurt. And from my point of view, uh, his being injured and Jordan Mailata coming in to replace him was really the beginning of the Eagles' troubles. Um, and I think they continued on from there. But the O-line in general made Carson um, a target in this game, hit 15 times, sacked eight. Uh, it was really difficult to watch from a, from a fan's point of view. And you could just see that they could not hold up. Um, and it's concerning. So I wanted to, to give it to both you, uh, Mike and, and Matt, and to structure it a little bit, maybe what you think was the main reason for uh, the instability there. Matt, let's start with you this time. Be happy to, Chris. Uh, just a lot of uh, non-chemistry, really. Uh, a lot of young guys. Uh, hats off to Jack Driscoll getting in there, getting into uh, the thick of things, uh, throwing his feet to the fire. But uh, that's a lot to ask, uh, especially if it was right before game time to uh, put a rookie in there. Now, the Eagles may have known uh, well before that that's – uh, Lane Johnson wasn't going to go, and I expect they did because he just had ankle surgery a few weeks ago. Uh, but still, you, you got to prep your rookies. Um, I, I think we also may have found out, I hate to say it, that Jordan Milata should have stuck with rugby. He's, he's not a football player. Um, he's had enough time to develop, and he hasn't developed as we thought. Huge body, uh, you know, athletic at that size, but – it takes a special character to be a football player, especially an offensive lineman, and it's not taught over um, night. It's a role that you uh, 
for Phil over a couple of years, and I, I just don't think he has it in him. So uh, I'll pass it off to Mike, see what he has to say. Yeah, Matt, uh, that's a good point, and I really just want to re reuse the word chemistry um, because obviously that's lacking um, with some of the, the piecemealed um, last-minute additions that we've put into this line. But let's back it up a little bit more. Um, so we had – we basically Brandon Brooks goes down during the offseason. Tough blow. He's, you know, our all pro right guard. Him and Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey. You don't even have to worry about the right side of our line when those guys are healthy. They're they're the best in the business. Um, <clears throat> now you have an aging Jason Peters who gets signed by the Eagles to come in and fill Brandon Brooks's spot when he goes down. Okay, that's good. Then the Eagles devise this plan. Matt Pryor is gonna back up. Um, is going to be the starting left tackle. All this changes the week before the season is about to begin. Peters finally says he'll play left tackle because he knows that gives the, the team the best chance to win. That certainly didn't help um, Herbig to come in and have the reps needed in order to have the chemistry um, with Jason Kelsey and whoever was going to be playing uh, right tackle, thinking it would be Lane. But, yeah, I mean, so one, I think the Eagles did a pretty bad job of making a decision and going with it so guys could be ready in the positions that they were going to be put in in this game. Combined with injuries and piecing in some of these younger talents, Jack Driscoll looked great, but there were some miscues that um, Driscoll had in coverage. I, I can think of at least one sack where – he took a guy that the running back was going to cover and because of that freed up the second to the inside or the second guy from the outside to come in and sack Carson. Um, all around just sloppy. It needs to be tightened up. And I think it all stems from just guys being new, inexperienced and the chemistry not being there. So I, I think one thing to take into account here is like, you know, the idea of what Mike said along a timeline that with just a week's notice, there's all this shuffling. I would even say to the morning of the game where it turns out Lane Johnson can't play and now you're replacing uh, a veteran with a rookie. And then also you have a new person stepping in at right guard. So a lot of moving parts there that I think make uh, offensive line success a challenge. Now, obviously early in the game, they were able to establish that. And I think uh, if I'm Doug Peterson, I go back to the tape and I say, what was the line doing? Uh, what was the play call? How did things work successfully when they were successful? Because the Eagles had a clear momentum going with that same exact personnel. Excuse me. As I said before, I think the real problems came in when Jordan Maialata, uh subbed in after Jack Driscoll got hurt. And I do believe Driscoll was okay. Apparently, it was just some cramping um, as, you know, he is a rookie and probably still adjusting to the game at this level. But to Matt's point, something that, you know, I think we all kind of bang the table for is when the Eagles are reluctant to play their rookies. Um, and I am kind of at the end of my Jordan Maialata hopes uh, that, that I don't think he, he will pan out as a player. And it's a little scary to think the Eagles saw him as a depth piece. Uh, I do like their aggressive nature and putting in their young guys and giving them a chance to have some experience. I do think Driscoll had moments where when 
Uh, the broadcasters are highlighting Jack Driscoll stepping in at right tackle and standing up Chase Young on one of his first reps. Uh, I think that's a great thing to see from a fourth-round pick. And we were hearing good things about Driscoll sort of all throughout camp. So the O-line definitely had some positives within it, um, and mostly that's experience, maybe a few plays uh, that shine. But that, by and large, there were too many moving parts for Carson Wentz to ever feel settled enough to do what he needed to do. Uh, and that leads us to the next point, because I do think these things are interconnected. So the O-line is struggling. Carson is uh, getting almost eaten alive. And Doug, uh, with his play call, Doug is one of the coaches that does, uh, well, he's the only coach on the Eagles, but one of the few head coaches who does uh, call his plays. And he doesn't change the game plan seemingly to get Carson in a rhythm to establish a run game. To me, Doug had a really rough day as rough or, or maybe even rougher than Carson because he's really at the wheel. So what are your thoughts on Doug uh, after this game? Like, Yeah, no, that's a really good point, Chris. Um, you know, one as just trying to think as a strategist, it seems like a conundrum because you're watching your team play. You know the line's banged up. The, Reds, uh, the Washington football team knows the line's banged up. Sorry, it's going to take a little while to get used to saying that over their former name. Um, but we'll, we'll do our best. Um, as, a, as a strategist, you aren't, you're going to want to lean away from where you know you're weakest. And he certainly did that. They had abysmal run rushing attack the entire game. In fact, Matt, maybe you can bring up the stat, but for how many total plays did the Eagles offense have versus how many rush plays, how many passing plays did we have? Before we, okay, before we, um, before we can bring you that stat, I'll just say it was completely lopsided. It was something like maybe 15, 16 run plays compared to like high 40, 50, uh, pass plays and for like 58 yards I think Mike total the Eagles for like 58 yards yeah. so that's really that's that's put in the ball um, in Carson's hand not establishing a run game whatsoever and here's the conundrum is it makes sense knowing that the line's broken up and they probably weren't going to succeed that much in that area running the ball but we know from history that the Eagles do better when there's a balanced attack and typically, for at least the past three years or so, it seems like we get to this tipping point where the fans are just begging Doug to run the ball, and he finally does it, and, like, you know, order is restored to the universe. Um, I don't know. Maddie, what do you think about that? Well, Stat Matt has some stats for you. Um, it's interesting. Pretty even game. Um, it was possession – 30 minutes, 39 seconds, Philadelphia, 29 minutes, 21 seconds, Washington. Uh, first downs, 19 Eagles, 18 Washington. Uh, total plays, 67 Eagles, um, with, uh, 70 Washington. So, uh, you know, it. at the end of the day, uh, the – these uh these stats are pretty even. Uh, third down efficiency, five for fourteen Eagles, five for eighteen Washington. Uh, total yards, two hundred sixty-five Eagles, two thirty-nine Washington. 
know, it, it came out to be a pretty even game at the end. But, guys, right off the bat, we were on fire. And it, this was my problem with Doug Peterson. I personally think he, he used this as a preseason game. Um, and, I, you know, I think maybe Miles Sanders could have gone. I don't know. Uh, maybe in the long run that's good to rest the hamstring. But everything leading up to it, it and same with Lane Johnson, we thought he was going to play. Um, I thought that uh, Doug Peterson played this as a preseason game because he thought it was a sure thing. And he came out firing with his original game plan that he had set, and it worked out. But uh, Rivera, the new head coach for Washington, he's a good coach, and he's a defensive coach, and he adapted. And we did not. We stayed steadfast in the plan, and their defensive line, who's young but talented, settled down, and they controlled the game for the rest of the game. And that's what was disappointing, was that Doug Peterson did not adapt at all to the game. I think he was up, and he thought he won the game. And, you know, we saw what happened in the second half. Chris? Yeah, it was the him trying the same method with the same results, but then returning back to that same method. Um, and I think there's a lot of potential in this team, specifically from the positives in the players that we highlighted um, as weapons in, in Rager and in Goddard, and that just both of those players offer so much in the way of being able to um, mix with the intermediate game and not feel like you have to drop back and throw it. I think Doug got off to a hot start. I think they cooled a little bit and he didn't want to, um, he didn't want to take his foot off the gas as far as throwing the ball deep. And I think the Eagles still could have been in a position to do damage to Washington and wear out their uh, defense, which was their strength coming into this game through Doug's play call and mostly through the run game. And maybe Matt's right. Maybe uh, missing Miles Sanders, maybe he could have gone, but maybe missing him was uh, the big key, but they, they could not get anything established. 58 yards total on the day. Um, pretty, pretty abysmal. Is that, is that number right, Matt? 58 total rushing yards. I mean, this is a team that when they were most successful uh, was rushing the ball, almost running it down people's throats. And I think when you have a, a 17 to nothing lead, you're in a position to almost run the game out, um, mixing in with some intermediate passing and, and just kind of holding it over their heads if you want to play a conservative as a preseason game. But you know what, Doug? In this sort of thing, in this kind of year, when your quarterback is playing high, why take your foot off the gas in the sense of, being the coach that you are. He, he seemed to resort to just one play after years of not having any speed, just wanting to throw that deep ball. What's up, man? One last point, Chris. Uh, third and three, when we throw the ball twice, uh, come on. Uh, we did a QB sneak earlier in the game that looked like it went for three yards. Why not run the same play? Or why not run two of the same plays? We had the downs, and he elected to throw the ball twice. And that's just not good coaching in my book. He seemed, he seemed shook. And, and speaking of shook, uh, after a really hot start, Carson Wentz seemed really shook to me. Now, he denied it in the media. He was asked by a couple of uh, beat reporters about feeling skittish or feeling um, a little scattershot from all the pressure that he was getting. He did deny it. Uh, I don't think uh, he had a bad game. I think he had a particularly bad half that was triggered 
um, by riding on such a high and then throwing two of the exact same interception uh, on first consecutive first downs, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so I think that was such a momentum killer and, and probably such an ego crushing, humbling to go back to that word moment um, where he didn't seem to really recover after that. And that combined with the offensive line play, uh, which was, poorer and poorer as the game went on uh, seemed to really put him in a bad spot, a hole he couldn't get out of. So Mike, let's start with you this time, your thoughts on, on um, Carson and, and your takeaways after this game. Well, just to touch on something you said, if I'm Carson, there's no way I'm admitting to the media and all the fans that I'm, I'm scared of pressure in the backfield. Uh, It sends the wrong message to anybody else listening. <clears throat> but I thought Carson came out looking great. He was throwing beautiful balls. I think we were all um, riding high on Carson after, uh, after that first drive, after the uh, beautiful ball he threw to Goddard in the touchdown. He did a great job reading the high safety there, throwing it only to where Goddard could catch it. Could have been an adjustment since Goddard looked over both shoulders before tracking the ball. Um, but that's just good instinct. I thought Carson got into his problems really maybe after the first time during the game where we were just watching like, man, he held the ball way too long there. And he had guys draped around his ankles. Um, One, it's scary to see that as a player, but two, it seemed like his mojo started to turn at that point. Um, So that's something for Carson to, really work on is get rid of the ball when the play's not there. Um, I think this is a combo and involves me saying, you know, Doug is part to blame for this because he really put the game on Carson's shoulders when he should have established that running attack a little bit more, but he's got to feel more comfortable to call a play dead when it's, when nothing's there instead of trying to do too much because that's when he gets into those moments where he'll start pressing. And when he starts pressing, maybe, that, maybe that's what led to him lofting balls and throwing some interceptions. So Carson needs to all around play smarter. But Matt, what do you think? Yeah, I think watching the game with you guys, we all agreed he got up, beat up uh, probably in the second, mostly, as I'm watching highlights here. Uh, once the defensive line settled down, um, I, you know, I thought he did a good job out of the gate with his hard counts. He got them to jump a couple of times. He knew these guys were young. Uh, we got a couple offsides, a couple neutral zone infractions. It, it worked for us. But once Washington settled down, uh, they were gunning for him. And I also think because of Rivera's uh, defensive scheme and the blitz from the linebackers and uh, the discombobulated offensive line, uh, they were able to get to him. There was some plays where there was gaps that uh, linebackers were coming through that any of us could have made that sack. And that's got to be scary for a quarterback. Uh, but you're a professional quarterback and you're a veteran quarterback. You got to adjust. Now, I agree with both of you. He held on to the ball way too long. Uh, one of which he uh, backpedaled, got sacked, and it moved Jake Elliott out to a 53-yard field goal, uh, which was missed. 
Um, and I don't know how that was missed. If you can make a 63-yard field goal, but that's a, a conversation for another time. But um, yeah, I I agree. He was rattled early on, and ever since he was rattled, he aired the ball out. Um, a lot of passes over the head. You know, it's funny. Donovan McNabb used to throw him in the ground when he got rattled, but uh, Carson was just airing these passes out, and I think that's what led to the two interceptions. Interesting stat line. Um, Carson had 24 for 42 uh, completions, two attempts, and two touchdowns for two interceptions. I think that speaks volume to the first half to the second half uh, because a lot of those completions were made in the first half. Uh, he had the touchdown in the first half and I don't know. It's a, a tale of two halves, and uh, Carson played a good first half, but football is a game of four quarters. Iggy? Yeah, I really think I, I think you nailed it there at the end. Carson did not play a complete game. Um, it almost seemed like once he started having trouble, he was not only playing the Washington defense, he was also kind of playing himself. Uh, and that can be in a couple senses. The, the most troubling part is the idea that his uh, – ego or his willingness, his aggressiveness to push the ball downfield and make a play um, that that has no limit that like Mike said, there are literally players draped around him and he's still looking to try to make a little dump off pass uh, and risking fumbling the ball or something even further. So that part of it was concerning. I also think, you know, we've seen Carson battle back uh, into games. We've also seen him play with guys from the practice squad um, and try to survive with what he had and make do. But in the NFL, sometimes you have games that sort of seesaw and go up and down. And he started really hot. And I wonder if Carson kind of started to coast a little bit, started to relax on some of his mechanics, started to relax on um, the attention to detail and things like that. Because to me, uh, there was a clear change, not only in his body language, but you know, the guy got hit a lot. I, I give him credit. I could never do what he does, but by the same token, I, I felt, you know, like Matt said, he's a professional and he comes into the game and establishes that kind of dominance and, and he kind of let up. And I think he led up to what he thought was a lesser opponent. And maybe that is a byproduct of, of his head coach. So let's move on from Carson. Mike, do you have something to add on to that? I, I was just going to add one thing. Um, and I was going to say decision-making really, when you think about it with the level of intensity, that's being a quarterback in the national football league, decision-making is a really slippery slope. You start making a couple bad decisions. Um, and you know, now you, you're not, your confidence is gone and you're not sure how to reset it. Um, and from that sense, you know, Carson, may have found himself with that loss and he just never could recover. Well, and I think, you know, the, we'll talk about this a little bit more on Thursday's podcast when we're previewing the game against the upcoming home game against the Rams, but the Eagles winning record uh, is in, in line, correlates directly to Wayne, when Lane Johnson uh, is in the lineup and he was not this past Sunday. Um, and that, that is, particularly true under uh, Doug Peterson as the head coach, which has only been with Carson Wentz as the quarterback. So Carson definitely benefits um, from Lane's presence. And um, as a way to kind of turn that around, not just injuries going into the game of which Lane was one, um, so was Miles Sanders and so was um, Derek Barnett. And I'm curious uh, from those three players, Matt, who you think made the biggest impact on the game? I think from all we've said tonight, 
we could easily see Lane. But is there any other angle here? Do you think it's uh, either of those other guys? I just want to get the stat we talked about earlier. Um, courtesy of John Clark of NBC, uh, Eagles record with Lane Johnson as Doug Peterson as coach, uh, 36 and 17. Eagles record without Lane Johnson under Doug Peterson, 6 and 12. So the guy makes a huge difference. Yeah, I, I honestly, and yeah, I'm a homer. I, I think this guy had Hall of Fame potential. The two uh, steroid bus is hurting him drastically, missing uh, 14 games as well as uh, injuries along the way. But uh, when he is on the field and he is healthy, he's one of the best tackles in the league, no doubt in my mind. What do you think, Mike? Well, just for, for the sake of uh, some diversity here, let me let me take Miles Sanders. Um, I can think of at least one one play made by uh, Corey, Corey Clement where he knocked a guy off Peters' block and then basically pushed him into sacking Carson Wentz. And, that, and maybe that's something that doesn't happen if Miles Sanders is in the game. There's a, there's a better uh, chemistry um, between him and the offensive linemen, especially in pass blocking. So maybe he brings more stability to the offense as well. Um, not to mention he is, he is our most explosive weapon on this team. He's, he can run the ball, he can catch the ball, and he can pass block. Um, he might even get – this is a hot take, but maybe they throw him in there for punt returns, um, given some of the play we saw last, last, this past week. But uh, I'll take Sanders. Chris? All right, and, and for the sake of there being three players and three of us, I'll take Barnett, um, not because I really believe he was the most impactful. I think we all believe it was really Lane. But to make the argument for Barnett, uh, I think not only in this game could they have used more pressure while Carson Wentz was sacked eight times. Uh, Second-year quarterback Dwayne Haskins was only sacked three and a half times. And those sacks uh, almost just didn't exist compared to what the – Washington defensive line was doing to the offensive line of the Eagles and, and Carson Wentz. But I think the presence of Derek Barnett, um, who I do think has elite potential when he's in and when he's healthy, uh, would have really helped this D-line. However, I want to make a point to say that on the last podcast, we talked about the probability of a Josh Sweat strip sack, and it happened in that game. Um, I'll even go as far as to say I called it right before. He called it live, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but, I was – Sitting right next to him when he called it live. But I do want to say that the presence of Derek Barnett, not only in this game coming off the edge where the Eagles' real strength is their defensive tackle position, they have a lot more depth there, that having him there as another pass rusher would have been a huge benefit for this line. Uh, and I'll say that not only in this game against the Redskins, but in the upcoming game uh, against the Los Angeles Rams. And they're going to need Barnett because it seems as though Brandon Graham suffered a concussion in Sunday's game against Washington and may uh, be out going into the game against the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, in addition to that, um, Vinnie Curry will be out for an extended period of time. So that's two DNs um, that really put the pressure on Barnett to come back in. And if he doesn't, You've got to figure that the, the pressure really rests on, on Josh Sweat. And is he that kind of player that can do that? Uh, or is he strictly a rotational player? Uh, we will find out. So um, we will cap it there for tonight. Matt, I'm sorry, Mike, do you have something you wanted to add? Yeah, let me just add one thing before we, uh, before we cap this. Um, you know, defensive player, 
Defensive player had the most tackles for us this past game. Matt, you got that? Uh, Nate Jerry. <laughs> Nathan Gary comes up with what, 10 tackles? 10 tackles, uh, who I have been a hater on uh, since day one of him being named the starter. I know he had a good season uh, last year, but I've been uh, all over him on the podcast saying <laughs> that uh, I was worried. So I'm uh, – <laughs> Two of, those tackles, right now, Mike. two of those tackles were for loss. I just wanted to highlight the fact that he was our leading tackler from the game. And to be honest, looking back at watching it, the three of us, uh, I heard his name called a lot. And a lot of times it was um, tackling. So we'll see what that is. Who knows if that's even anything, but worth a highlight. Chris, well, you got well, hey, I mean, we'll take it. If we can get, if we can get a, um, you know, a decent, a decent player uh, in the linebacker position for the Eagles. I think that's probably the best we can hope for. Certainly the team's not going to invest, but with that, we will be back on Thursday night uh, to try and preview the Eagles upcoming home game. They're hosting the Los Angeles Rams at one o'clock fellas. Nice job tonight. Um, We will be back on Thursday to talk about the matchup against the Rams. Maddie, do you have one more point? Yeah. uh, I have a hot take on Thursday. Just a little tease here, Chris and Mike. Hot take on Fletcher Cox on Thursday. So uh, looking okay. forward to it. Okay, so that's a little teaser Matt's given us. He's going to drop some uh, some sort of a take on, on Fletcher Cox, and maybe we can delve into on Thursday what this dynamic is, uh, what's going on with Zach Ertz, and certainly the great play we've seen from Dallas Goddard and how those two things might be interconnected. But for now, fellas, nice job, and go Birds. Let's go Birds. Go Birds.